right, guys, welcome back to the Egg Tour Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on our show, uh, director Mike Young. Um, today, we're going to be reviewing... I'm also joined by Ethan, by the way. I hey, did yeah. not mean that. Boy, right? <laughs> For real? No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> you guys know Ethan by now. He's been on yeah, the show since the beginning. Yeah, at least I hope beginning. so. Yeah. <laughs> But um, today we're going to be reviewing Nice Guys. We're going to all talk about what we liked about it, what we didn't like, give our synopsis of it. And then we're going to ask Mike some questions because he is a director and a writer. And he's acted in a few things. He's got his own TV series called Who the F is Mike Young? And uh, yeah, Mike, I'll let you uh, take the stage and just list off what you've done. Yeah, man. I've never done a podcast before where I met the host at a bank transaction. (laughs) I actually, we were doing business for Stealing Jokes, my new movie, and uh, shooting here in Detroit, and I was actually at the bank, went in to get money from one account, sounds shady as can be, but it's not, (laughs) to put it into the the Stealing Jokes account so we can go make a movie in the city of Detroit. And I'm from here, I grew up in Southfield, and I started out in stand-up comedy, you know, 20 years ago, moved to LA, Open mics at the at the comedy store on Sunset. Tour with Dave Chappelle, Dave Attell, Bob Saget. Currently, I tour with Joe Rogan. I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to learn the craft from some of the greats. And about eight nine years ago, somebody gave me a break to write and direct my own movie, which was My Man Is a Loser. I was able to put that out through Lionsgate. Right after that, I did a stand-up guy, which Netflix bought and ran for two years on Netflix that I wrote and directed. I uh, did a movie called Adam. We shot here in Detroit with Jeff Daniels and Aaron Paul. I wrote it. I did not direct it. And then uh, here I am, back home, uh, getting ready to make a But it's a journey, man, and there's no path, and there's no rules. And I say to everybody... You know, I'm one of those dudes who just believes in everyone. You know what I mean? Like, you tell me you do a movie podcast every week, where my mind goes is already, like, you don't even know how well you already know structure, like, movie structure, because you've watched 100 movies. Quentin Tarantino worked in a video store. We watch movies all day long. By nature, it was already in him to understand structure and plot and, like, what it took. You know, I didn't come... I wasn't a guy that watched... I love movies, but I wasn't a guy that like watched movies every day, all day. I just loved writing and telling jokes. And I had to really learn structure. You guys already have it in you to understand structure, even if you're not thinking about it. Like, even if you don't even know that you know. So you're doing the right thing by uh, watching a movie a week, getting into it, digging into it, and studying it. Cool. Yeah, so we got the structure yeah. down. Ethan, we just need to get a little bit funnier, and then we'll be yeah. writers in Hollywood. <laughs> true, true. For real. Um, but the reason we were going to review Nice Guys this week is because when I was talking to Mike at the bank, um, he mentioned, I asked him what his favorite movies were, or just movies that you know everybody should watch. He listed off uh, Godfather Part 1, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and he asked... If we wanted to, if you wanted to know a really good comedy movie, and in my head, I'm telling God's honest truth, I'm thinking Nice Guys. Nice Guys is my favorite comedy of all time. It is the best movie, and this guy spits out Nice Guys, and I, I was just like, no way, no way. So that's why we're recording, uh, reviewing the that movie this week. But yeah, 
that's crazy that you had I didn't know you had that in your mind when I told you 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 had a crazy shocked look on your face and you were like, no way, bro. I love nice guys. <laughs> I actually I actually hadn't seen nice guys until last year, like maybe like eight months ago or whatever. It wasn't even on my radar. And when I watched it, I was like, this is the exact tone that I'm trying to capture in my new movie. You know, I'm trying to play this movie with like a serious storyline, yet these characters are so hilarious that it's a very specific tone. And it takes a lot to get that out of a movie and out of your out of your actors. And obviously it was written by and directed by Shane Black. Did he write and direct it? I think he wrote and directed it. I think so. Yeah, he also did so. uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in the earlier yeah. 2000s. He's a brilliant dude, obviously. And I just loved, it was just this quirky, gangster under <laughs> still had like underworld tones and like underbelly you know uh subject matter yet he still pulled it off with like this high level pratfall comedy yeah right so that was that was crazy that i said that i've been studying that movie myself just for structure and tone for stealing jokes my new movie which is which is what i've been why i was watching that I watched a few movies. I was watching like Pulp Fiction, which is hanging over your shit. <laughs> <laughs> told you, man. I told Bro, you he was going to point it out. A movie, man. <laughs> you out of the bank. Ignore that poster, man. I got it in middle school. <laughs> I Bro, think you're your long after middle school. I don't know how old you guys are. Yeah. Uh... Ethan, are you a, Ethan, are you a big Nice Guys fan too? or? I actually just watched it for the first time last night, and I loved it. I thought it was absolutely hysterical. I mean, like you said, it captures this really dark and gritty like narrative, but there, there's these two idiots that don't know what to do or just kind of bumbling about with what to do here. So I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. Yeah, well, I, I love it. Good good pick, man. Good yeah. Pick. Yeah. Good pick, Vic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Um but actually, no. My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I think I watched that a lot too. Yeah. For this movie, I watched it a lot because, you know, there's. T- t- I love. Tar- I've met Tarantino a couple times. He wow. would. He wouldn't know me if he ran me over. <laughs> I met him at clubs in L.A. And I've always dreamed about like the possibility that I could even maybe work with him on some level. I have no idea how that would ever happen, but his. The way he does dialogue in a dangerous situation oh, is yeah. what I love. I love that guys are going to a very dangerous place, yet they're having this quick-witted, hilarious dialogue, which really is what gangsters are. You know what I mean? A lot of them are funny. A lot of them talk a lot of crazy words. And uh, he captures it, so I'm a big fan of his too, man. Sure. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Nice Guys is um, I actually didn't notice this until my dad pointed it out because he's never seen it before and then he watched it last week, which is when I rewatched it. Um, is you don't really see Ryan Gosling in these roles, these types of roles, ever. I've yeah. seen him in you know Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner, mm-hmm. The Notebook, movies like that. He's always like this quiet guy who's like mysterious and like dashing i guess in the sense of the notebooks case <laughs> but um half eye open his eyes are always half right open. yeah he's always looking yeah he's always he's got yeah bro he's a sexy he's a hunk bro he's a hollywood hunk exactly and in this one 
he's a complete doofus. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he does figure stuff out, but, yeah. you know, he's, uh, in the beginning when Russell Crowe, like, breaks into his house and starts beating him up, <laughs> he gives up his client within, like, two seconds. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I always wonder, like, that's what, a, that's how great of an actor Ryan Gosling is. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that conversation even is, you know, with Shane Black and Ryan Gosling to get him to the point where he's explaining how to how to play this character. Yeah. You know? And because if you read that, if you read that script, if you just read it, out, you know, if you just read it on the page, that's not going to come through like that. You know what I mean? It's going to play. It's going to sound serious. And unless you have a sit down with your actors, you're not going to really know the comedic tone that you're playing. And that's just the genius of that whole movie. I'll tell you what else I love about that movie. I love the way it was shot, and I love the color. Oh, yeah. I love the color palette. There's oh, yeah. a lot of great popping colors in that movie. Green, yellows, and they're just like popping off the screen. And, and before I started shooting in Detroit, I was telling my crew, my DP and my grips and my lighting and my gaffer, I was telling everybody, we had a movie night. We watched Nice Guys downtown. And... Like one of the producers is like, you should, you know, give a speech and like welcome. I was like, I'm just having a vibe out party. Like I want to vibe out on this movie. Like there's no, you don't need a speech. I just want everyone to see what's going on on the screen. We're not having the party for me to give a speech. We're, we're, I really, so I just told everybody like, look at the colors, look at the style, you know, just look at the way they shot this movie. It's got everything. And I'll, pro I'll probably watch it again within the next couple of days because our movie got shut down due to COVID, and we're coming back up oh. soon enough. But we got to we had to take a little break, so I got I got time to study again. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that that you guys are like filming, like you starting up filming again at the end of October. Yeah, bro, it keeps getting pushed. To be oh, honest, man. <laughs> like my producers are trying to push my actors out of the movie. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but we'll start up again when everything is just clean, and hopefully we're just as a state we're a little more past the covid world of people getting sick so easily because my actor got sick my, he, he didn't even really feel sick he tested positive then he quarantined and then my actress got it and then she tested positive and she didn't feel anything so i would rather wait longer and shoot just a clean great film that's knock on wood you know everybody stays healthy on yeah i don't right mind a little time you know what i mean and Detroit is cool to shoot it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know they, um, one of the big films in the past five, ten years was, uh, what's that one movie where it's about that blind guy, the old, like, blind, um, Vietnam vet who these, like, kids break into his house and they get stuck in there and they can't make any noises. They filmed that in Detroit, uh, as well. I can look up the name of the movie. Um, I've never heard of that. It, is it lights uh, out? I think it is. I do. I have heard of that. I didn't know it was shot in Detroit though. Um, because no, that was on my radar. It's not lights out. Um, look up movies filmed in Detroit. There's been a lot, man. All the way from Transformers to uh, Grand Torino. Yeah. Um. Don't breathe. That's what it's oh, called. Oh yeah. Don't breathe. Yeah. Just yep. another film I've never heard of. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. I remember seeing it in the movies, uh, yeah. in the movie theaters. Uh, it was it was nothing to like write home about, but it was pretty cool that it was filmed in Detroit because you know like Detroit gets I think like nationally, and 
Um, globally, were you going to say? I, would, I didn't want to say globally. I was going to say, unfortunately, it gets a lot of, like, shit. Like, a lot of jokes yeah. are supposed to be mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like, highest crime rate in the United States, Detroit. Yeah. It's right. a bad rap. Exactly. Yeah. And so with these movies being filmed here, it's, you know, it's kind of showing that, like, Hollywood's coming here and nothing's happening, you know? Like... Yeah, well, the good thing with Detroit, I always tell everybody, is that you can shoot... It's got so many great looks, right? You can shoot in the city and look as gritty as you want. Turn your camera left. You got some beautiful buildings. Turn your camera another 30 degrees. You got the water. So you get three different looks without having to do a company move. So financially, it, it, it behooves you to shoot in Detroit, especially if this, the incentive comes back, the tax incentive. Mm-hmm. Because the look of Detroit and the surrounding suburbs is as good as anywhere in the country. And so I'm going to do my part to get as many movies. Like Dan Gilbert's financing my movie. I could say that out loud, you know, I'll just straight up. And he really hopes that entertainment will come back to Detroit and give it sort of a rebirth and breathe some fresh life into this thing because it's it's you know it's an entertainment town man motown was here some of the greatest jazz and blues were here back in the day i mean you got had great theater here so i love detroit and i'm gonna try to if i can make a great movie here right now boom i'm gonna make another one right after it and i'm just gonna stay in detroit and just do my thing if i gotta go on comedy tours i just pop out of detroit metro yeah Right on. Good airport. Quicker yeah. flight. It's quick. You know, quicker flight over to the east than it is flying across the country. I've been in LA twenty years, man. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, bro. Too much. I played enough basketball with Adam Sandler. I'm good. <laughs> That's uh, all back underground. Yeah. Uh, like actually, like the the story of Nice Guys. I know it doesn't take place in Detroit, or it. I don't think it it doesn't take no. place in Detroit, but it's about like the the big three, um, and like the motor companies and like the the underbelly of that, like Mike was talking about earlier. Um, I, yeah, I love that. That was so crazy because that was just like a little storyline that you didn't know was gonna pop up, and I right. think it was about the catalytic converter, right? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. the guy that invented it was gonna become wealthy and it was. It was and then there was another movie that came out. I think it was the Don Cheadle film that they shot here. That that they just shot here. Um, oh. no, no Sudden Moves. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The Soderbergh film. And that was a storyline in that movie, too. And so there, there was just some dirty stuff happening with the car companies. If you hear anything in the background, don't worry. It's just my mom making something in the microwave. <laughs> no worries. You're fine, man. We we all live with our parents here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a grown man living with my mom's right now. <laughs> I'm a grown man living with my dad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Well, what what city are you guys in? Um, I'm in Nova, so. In a, yeah. Yeah, and then Ethan. Oh, I'm in Fenton, which is like 20 minutes south of Flint. So. Oh yeah, I know Fenton. Yeah. I played hockey, I played hockey in Fenton. Oh really? I played against Fenton, yeah, growing up in Southfield, yeah. Oh, gotcha. I think that's the first time I've ever heard somebody say, "Oh yeah, I know where that is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got two different vibes going. Victor's got the, the bright light, you know, oh. ready to watch another movie. Also play Xbox for twenty six hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> and Ethan's got some kind of draconian vibe going on where it's like, 
I don't even want to know what games you're playing. Or <laughs> hey, man, lights are too bright sometimes. <laughs> How'd you guys even meet? Um, we went to college together. Yeah. Oh, where at? Uh, Oakland University up in Rochester. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right on. We actually met in Ecuador through a study abroad through there, through the university, so stroke of luck. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, fire away. Anything you want to talk about, I've I've been through a lot. I've seen it all. Cool. Okay. I I have not made a great movie yet, I I will say. You always feel like you could do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I really, I, I learned so much on My Man is a Loser, the first movie I made. You learn so much making a movie because you got 150 people that you're working with and you're just, it's just happening at 100 miles an hour. And especially as the director, you're involved in every single little aspect of everything. And you don't know how much you know until you go to your next movie. And yeah. When I, when I did a stand-up guy, I just was like moving like this, just fast, moving, moving, moving. And I was like, wow, I really do know how to make a movie. And then I took two years, two and a half, three years off before I got on the set of my new movie. And I got here and I was like, do I even know how to make a movie? I'm like, you know what I mean? It took me like a second to get, it wasn't until three days in that I got my groove on. Yeah. Making movies is a man. Oh, I'm sure. I was actually going to ask like um, how much – like so for criticism how much do you take into account for the next movie you make and i know you briefly went into that just now but i just don't know if you like take all that baggage drop it on the next one or what what kind of goes on there as a comedian i'm thick skinned mm-hmm. but i still as an ego person i like i still i don't take criticism too great like the first guy that dogged me out like the critic that dogged out my man is a loser i wanted to egg his house <laughs> I started looking up where he lived and who he was. And I was like, I can't go. I can't do this because this is going to happen all the time. I can't be egging people's houses in my 40s. You know, I was like, it's just a bad look. So I take the criticism and some of it's warranted, but like, you know who the haters are by reading it. You know, you could tell like a guy who was like a frustrated writer director who can't believe I got to make a movie when he says stuff like, you know, what's John Stamos doing in this movie? We've seen this storyline before. And it's like, that's just a hater. But if you said this guy really needs to work on his visual style and the comedy is there, but the style's not there, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm with you on that. And it was, it's because I got a lot to learn. So I'm good, bro. I'm good with being criticized. I'm good with critics now. I don't care. I get to make my movies. I know I have a lot to improve on stylistically i didn't come from film school i don't know how to work a camera myself like typically work a camera i just know story i know beats i know rhythm i know actors i know characters and i'm i'm gonna learn you know what i need to learn as i go on right that's awesome yeah i have no problem saying that i got a lot to learn but critics the whole critic world is just a, I just don't like it. Let the public decide. You know what I mean? It's like, who's a critic? Like, you know, we're right. all critics. We're Everybody's all, a critic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Media, social media has given everybody a voice, mm-hmm. which is like the worst thing you can do for social media. It's like every single human being now can say their opinion and it has like an effect. It's like it's got a negative domino effect. And if people knew how hard it was to make a movie, 
like truly physically, mentally, spiritually, how hard it was to make a movie, they'd be more reticent to talk negatively about it. You know, is reticent a word? Where did that word come from? I don't, I don't even know <laughs> I don't how to spell it. Right with it. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be yeah, they'd be more weary of just straight up like dogging out somebody who made a movie. Right. It's on. like the hardest damn thing in the world. Not the hardest that I should brain surgery is probably harder. Hearing <laughs> cancer is probably harder. And sending people to the moon is probably harder. But it's just a hard there's so many moving pieces, man. Yeah. I just it all starts with the script. You got to make sure your script is dope and your script is tight. And then you right. Can... Yeah. I feel like the whole critic thing is like a lot of move, a lot of critics are looking for, you know, that perfect movie. They're always looking for how can this be better? Looking at it as what's already there is bad. They're looking at it as like a half glass half empty sort of view. Oh, yeah. And they want yeah, they want to get their little two cents in. And most of them, half of them, if not more, are frustrated writers, you know, which is fine. But it's like, if you're going to be a critic, just like critique, don't just criticize. Yeah. But you put yourself out there. I learned that in stand-up comedy. I put myself out there every day, you know, and you want to judge, come on, come and get it. You know, I've done it enough now to where it's like, you can't really get me on stand-up because... If I make a thousand people laugh a weekend, that's science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just believe the science. You know what I mean? Um, so I had a question, actually. Um, when we were talking about Tobey Maguire in the bank, it came up to me. <laughs> what would be your dream movie cast to work with? Anybody from any time period, um, alive, dead, you know, who would wow. you pick? Great question. Not Toby. <laughs> I love Toby, and he is a dream. He's an incredible actor. But I'm not going to put him in my dream cast. Dream cast. Dream cast. Wow. DiCaprio's in there, right? Leo. I'm working with, I'm doing a movie, and it's with Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Pacino. <laughs> and, it's, and I got Liam Neeson playing the heavy. And I got, like, uh, I got, uh, Oh man, I got um, um, oh man, oh god, I can't even think of who my female cast would be, like the greatest of all time. Betty Davis is in my cast. <laughs> Leo, Betty Davis, Liam Neeson, uh, um, Al Pacino, De Niro, obviously. Meryl Street. You know, my mom's in the back. Oh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. One of the greatest. She's in the cast for sure. Um, God. Rachel McAdams is pretty good. If she's the one I'm thinking about that's in uh, The Notebook. Yes, that's it. She's in The Notebook and she's in um, uh, Midnight in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Uh, Scarlett Johansson might be popping up in my cast. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Ryan Reynolds, man. Ryan Reynolds, man. That dude could just be hilarious. He's hilarious, man. Yeah. Jonah Hill might creep in. <laughs> I don't know what kind of movie that would be. De Niro, Nino, <laughs> Jonah Hill, Leo. Leo doesn't do – I haven't seen Leo do a comedy. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, though, was a lot yeah. of fun moments. Yeah. I think they actually put that in the comedy di- division. Oh, really? Did they? I think so. I think so. 
Yep. That's a really yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Leo's on my All Star cast, man. Yeah, he's uh he's one of my favorite actors because you know he's I love his movies like Shutter yeah. Island's really good. The yeah. Revenant I loved. I, I can. I loved I, it too. That was really good. It was like it was long, but I I could sit through it. You know, I wasn't bored. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people's criticisms with it was that it was too long. I I think it's somewhere around three hours, but it's. It's supposed it's supposed to be like this grueling tale of this man who is absolutely destroyed by a bear. Um, his kid gets killed by some hunter, and he's pissed. He's going revenge, and you know that's the movie. He doesn't have to talk. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't talk for like Oscar without talking. <laughs> that's, that's insane. How after he is. That's how yeah. emotional he is. I I I don't want to name drop, but I do know him. And that movie almost that movie he got really sick on that movie like just like physically sick, you know what I mean? He just like was living in whatever jungle he was in. I don't even know where they shopped at, like Morocco. I don't remember where they were, Malaysia. He was just in bad shape during that movie. He put himself through it, and I, I love that movie. Yeah. I, I loved it. He, deser he, he deserved a few Oscars before that, but finally they gave him his due. Yeah. Um, but he's also, so I'm an environmental science major, and Ethan is as well. Uh, he's also really big in environmental um, activism. conservation activism. Yeah, yeah. outside of acting. Oh yeah, um, and it's always great to see like an actor, you know, also act and also be you know pushing towards this global issue. Um, his oh. UN speech is really beautiful on that subject. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's the first one with a Prius. <laughs> You know, he was literally had a Prius before anybody had a Prius. He yeah. was driving electric back in the day. All his cars, all his motorcycles, they're all hybrids or electrics. He is um he's all about the environment. He takes he takes it dead seriously. Yeah. That's that's good to know. That's awesome. That is not just like a front. It's like he actually genuinely cares about it. Oh, thousand percent he cares. He reads everything on it, he discusses it with right. everybody. He's, you know, getting behind all the documentaries that he came about it. Yeah. He's all about it. He knows how serious it is. Yeah. He's probably having dinner with Al Gore right now. Yeah. <laughs> solar out. Ready for, ready for solar. Right. <laughs> I just saw that. I just saw that Tesla. This meeting has been updated or up, oh, upgraded. Um, I just saw Tesla's moving out of California. Oh, really? really? Yeah. They're going to Texas. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I know. Very interesting. Um, yeah, making movies ain't easy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, comedy. Ethan, did you have another question? Oh, um, give us like a, like a brief rundown of your directorial process just because it's, I can't imagine that it, like you, like you've been saying, it's not easy. It's gotta be so hectic and chaotic for months yeah. and years on end yeah so my process is always script first right so i just get the script to a place where i'm going i love this script and the actors that i'm going to send it to they're going to love this script so my process is just get the script tight and then i get it out to a casting director and i have voices in my head for the character so i'll have sometimes i'll have actors like their voices in my mind, like, like I'll have Michael Rappaport's voice in my head when I'm writing the character. So I'll get him the script and I'll have different actors and I'll get it to their agents and their reps. So 
I get, you know, I, I get everything down on page. I get it to my casting director. Boom. We start reading people right away. And all of a sudden I get an influx of like, you know, auditions. I used to do it like, you know, three years ago, two years ago, everything was in person. So I'd sit in a room and I would have actors coming in and auditioning for me every day. And so I would find my actors naturally, organically, and I would get to see what I love. So then, you know, you go from writing, boom, now you're casting. And now I'm casting. I'm putting these little, these little color pieces, these little, you know, little palette fillers in, you know, in my movie. And they're filling out and they're bringing the story to life. And now I'm good with my cast. And then you're starting to look like, then you go location scouting. Wow. Yeah. And then you got to look for your locations. And so... When you go location scouting, sometimes it's like a budget thing. And so you have to be open enough to know that, like, I wrote this thing for, like, a giant warehouse, but we actually can't afford to go do this giant warehouse. I need to change that scene to a small little room somewhere in the city. So you always have to stay open for change, you know, and flexible if you have to change due to, like, your budget, you know. And so then you go, then we go location scouting. And then after you get all your locations down, then you start prepping. Then you come and you sit with your wardrobe person, your hair and makeup person. You sit with every department head and you have a meeting and you go, okay, I want their clothes to look like this. And I want you to tell your lighting. I want the lighting to be like this. Look at these three movies that are similar. And so I meet with every department head. We have, we all have meetings. They all have their marching orders. And then they start bringing back and you have to have trust in your people too. Right. So I just trust. And I'm somebody like, if you vouch for somebody and you're like, say they're great, I'm not going to have to do a bunch of deep diving. I usually like trust the people I get recommended to uh, as far as department heads. And I like to see certain reels of their work, but you know, you have to have some trust. And so boom, then your location scouting. Then, then your final step is you do a tech scout. You bring all your camera guys, you bring everyone, the whole crew, 25 of you go to every location to make sure we can shoot. So the, the you know, the, the, the electricians got to have power. They got to make sure we got power at this house. My lighting guys and my DP has to go, okay, we can light this the way we want to light this, or this doesn't work for me. So you go through that whole process. And that's like a six week process. And then, boom, then you're ready, bro. Then you give it to your AD. And your first assistant director, he makes you a schedule. And he says, you know, on this day, on day one, you're going to shoot, you know, all the scenes in this house. So it could be the first scene in the movie, and it could also be the last scene of the movie. You know, so you're mm -hmm. shooting. So they, they, they break down your schedule in terms of convenience. So you never shoot. You're never shooting in like, you're never shooting in like, a, a, you know, in, in sequential order. You're shooting. Right. Mm -hmm. all over the place mm -hmm. for financial reasons, for accommodations, just, just to make it easy on everyone's life. Mm -hmm. And so then you take, then you do that. And then, um, that's my brother just walked in and doing a podcast. And then, then you do. And then after we tech scout, boom, we get ready for day one, uh, day one principal photography. Oh, and then before that, for like a week or so, I like to rehearse with the cast. So if they're all in town, we'll do a table read. Right. We'll do a table read together. And, you know, I haven't got to the point where I'm like confident enough where I'm drilling them. And I'm like, I want to read this five times. Yeah. But I'm getting to that point now where I'm like, you know what? 
your job is to act. My job is to direct. Let's rehearse a bunch of times so you know your lines. And that's where I'm, uh, that's like the new, a new phase I'm going through where I'm willing to rehearse more and more. Some directors don't rehearse. I need to rehearse because I just need to know everyone knows their lines. Because a lot of, for a lot of these actors, they don't know who I am. And they're like, maybe I'll just come, I'll come to the table a little loose and I won't really be on point. You know, I, I can't. Right. Have it. Right. For sure. And, and that's, that just sounds like an insane process. I could not imagine keeping all those parts moving. And then not even to mention the actor schedules, if they have other projects going on, stuff like that. It happens all the time, bro. I'll probably never hire stand-up comedians anymore. <laughs> my, schedule, my schedule has keeps changing because of their tour. So I forgot that I was like hiring comedians and they're like, yo, I got a club date on October 22nd. I'm performing at the Paramount Theater on the 25th. And it's like, I'm going to just start hiring only actors who are ready to work and I could get their schedule. Right. So, bro, it's a crazy process. And, you know, anybody, anyone that wants to go into it has to just love it. And, and I do. I love it. I love it. Right, yeah. I love all of it. Every aspect of it. Um, my eyes aren't great. So I had like, like I said, like getting behind the camera, I just got to get better with camera motion, transitional moves, you know, from one scene to the next. Mm -hmm. so that's like the next level that I'm going to, I'm going to go to the next level with lighting, color schemes, camera moves, stuff like that. Gotcha. That's I was, exciting. Yeah. I was uh, really naive as a kid until, until about my sophomore year in high school. I always thought that, movies were filmed in the order of the movie yeah, so like sequential I did too. and I, oh, well, I thought that till two weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> don't worry everyone thinks that um i just can't imagine how you keep that in your head because like most people like whenever people do tasks or you know they write um i don't know how writing goes like uh if you write like the same way you film with like you you have an idea for the ending or you have an idea for the middle or the beginning but i just don't know how like in your head this all like fits together because if i'm filming a movie if i'm filming the, the beginning and the ending at the same house that's the movie it's gonna be like two scenes yeah. <laughs> yeah no you don't think about that scheduling at all you just write your movie you write your story 90 to 110 pages you just write it and that's it you don't think about that stuff the actors it's up to them and that's why you got to respect an actor because they are the emotional you know, they're, they're, in a, they're the vessel, you know what I mean? Like they have to know when they're shooting day one, but they're shooting the 20th scene where emotionally they're in a different place. That's on them. You know what I mean? That's they yeah. have an emotional place. That's the end of the movie on the second day of filming. That's what their job is. And that's why I always say like, I respect the hell out of these, out of these actors, man. Like they're real deal. You know, like it's no joke. It's no like, Whenever I hear anybody talk about like, I want to be an actor and I want to do this. No, you don't. <laughs> Unless yeah. you do. Like if you do, you better be about it. You know what I mean? You better mm. be in acting class. You better be really studying. You better be reading plays all the time and like getting into it like that because I got much respect for what actors do, man. I don't think I can play one note as an actor. I did my own series but i basically just played a version of myself and to go deeper would take a lot of work and 
you just have to respect these guys at, at, at their craft. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of them get diva-like and they can be a problem. That's when you got to just like work that personality situation. You know what I mean? You got to just, as a director, you're dealing with 50 personalities. Yeah. Different types of people. So I'd say the best thing is just learn how to deal with people and get your point across and communicate. Right on. Yeah. Victor, yeah. You're, you know, you're seeing that at the bank, bro. <laughs> Oh, dude. Uh, for legal reasons, I don't know if I can discuss <laughs> the customers at the bank, but yeah, you, uh, don't, you don't even have to. But just imagine, you probably see a hundred people a day, yep. all different people. You're building skills to deal with people, and some people can't handle it. I had a teller at a different bank today. I was in there today. She was having a panic attack. She, I was like, "Yo, you're in the wrong job. Like, you're panicking <laughs> over like a little cat. I'm just trying to cash a check." And you're freaking out because my address was California, but it's like, relax. It's gonna, the check's gonna clear. <laughs> <laughs> It'll go yeah. through. It'll go yeah. through. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like, not everybody can communicate with people, man. It's a, it's, it's, it's a big game, and yeah. you got It's, it's a skill set you need, I think, in this world. Yeah, I feel understanding people is like really important for the dialogue of a movie. Um, we were actually talking about it this last week on our Malignant and Fear Street Part 1. Um, Malignant's a good movie. It's a horror movie. And typically when you go into horror movies, you don't expect insane dialogue. Like, you don't, it, it's, it's gotta be good. You can't have people, like, talking to walls with no emotion. But, um... It's like that sometimes, though. <laughs> it, it, it really feels like it. Because some of the scenes in that movie... Um, and I'm not hitting on like the actors or the actresses because like we we always make this clear when we talk about the 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 movies, we never place any of you know the criticism on the actors or actresses because ninety percent of the time, you know, if these actors or actresses are in Hollywood, they've done a great job to get there. You know, they're on a big screen movie on HBO Max or they're in you know AMC or Imagine. Um, but the dialogue in that movie, it's just you know things people don't say to each other. Um, it, it's, it's really like, like when you write things down, it felt like it was directly taken from a script. It felt like, you know, like if you were to write something like, you know, show your, show that the character has a blood connection that they haven't realized until now. And that's exactly what she says. She says, yeah. I didn't realize I have, you know, cause like this is a, her adopted sister or something. Yeah. And she's like, I didn't realize I was looking for a blood connection this whole time. It was right in front of me. You know, it it seems like it's like a very on the page thing, which I don't put on the actress. It's it's got to be some kind of combination um, of you know like the writers or the directors just choosing to say it like that. It came off as like very campy, I guess. Yeah. So you're saying that it was too on the nose and it wasn't done subtly. It was like just done for like, oh my God, you're my lost sister that I didn't know <laughs> show up until five seconds ago, and I'm so happy that you are my lost sister. Who just showed up with the same bloodline as me? This is crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Essentially, to progress the plot, too, it's just like they're like stepping stones. Like just in case you missed this, here's this kind of information that you should have known, but we're gonna give it to you anyways. It's tough, man. See, when you're writing, when you're writing plot, it's in the exposition a lot of times. You know, it's not in the dialogue, uh -huh. it's in the exposition. But when you're writing it, you gotta advance the story. So. Maybe they had like a tough rewrite session on that movie and they were like, no one's understanding what this bloodline is. <laughs> Damn it, I'm just going to write it. You're my sister who I've never met. 
Yeah. There's a good chance. Um, yeah, man. But the whole process, bro, it's so crazy. And I'm a producer on this movie, so I'm actually going through the budget on this one, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Looking at the line budget. I'm like, you know, the, the editor cost this the sound mix cost this the movie uh, the music cost this the lighting package is this you know the catering is this the extras are this you know it's it's crazy man it makes you realize like i need to write smaller <laughs> i just need to start confining my locations because i wrote too many damn locations for this movie yeah you know? right but i love it man i love i just love the process and i'm fortunate enough to been doing stand-up and like people have blessed me with like skills to write so writing has been my thing and then you know more recently the, the directing came on you know but it all comes from my stand-up background yeah yeah which is crazy you said you you were offered the chance to direct the movie correct just to double check that yeah the, the movie that which movie this one or just your directorial debut in general. Yeah, I did. Yeah, when I first, yeah, I directed, I wrote, I was hired to write the movie. They were actively looking for a director. I had never directed anything in my life. And I said to the producers, I was like, I could direct this movie. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm telling you, I could direct this movie. I should be the director of this movie. And so they called a friend of mine, Doug Allen, who created the show Entourage. And they called Doug Allen and they were like, Doug, this guy says he could direct the movie. And to Doug's credit, he goes, a monkey could direct this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Let him direct it. And so they hired me and that was it. And they hired me to direct it. I went right into like reading about directors and directing. I went, I went and got a book. I went and got a Playboy interview book of all the top directors and all their interviews. And I noticed a, a, a recurring theme was that all, a lot of these directors had never directed on their first piece. They all had written them and they all fought to direct. And so I was like, oh, this is what Barry Levinson did. This is what Woody Allen did. He came from stand-up comedy. Mike Nichols came from comedy. All these great directors got a shot because they came from the writing or the comedy world. So I, I wasn't scared. I just went and like learned as much as I could and hired a great DP, director of photography. Yeah, my, my movie looked good. Sweet. I remember uh, right before this, actually, before we started recording, Ethan had this question. So this, all the credit to this question goes to him. Um, is like if you could like run us through like the different roles. So I know there's like a director, like you just said, director of photography, a producer, a writer, an executive writer, assistant director. Um, I know that's a lot of terms I just threw at you, but like if you could run us down on the difference between yeah. them all. Yeah, so obviously the director, I'm the director, so I'm the I'm the boss on the set, so to speak. You know, I'm the I get to have the final say on what the shots look like. You know how the dialogue's delivered. I'm kind of directing the move, directing the actors. I'm the only one talking to the actors, mm -hmm. right? My assistant director, the AD, he's in charge of like everything else on the set, making sure, and he's super important. Like he's your offensive lineman, right? So you come to set and your AD already has the set ready it's like here's your set mic lighting is up everybody's ready he also gets your schedule together so that's the ad he has a very 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 difficult tough job he gets your schedule together he's like these are your day and days here's your 25 day shoot all broken down he breaks it down on a graph 
So everybody gets this graph. Day one, you're shooting here at this time, here at this time, here at this time. He is really the brains behind what I'm trying to do. Like he's, he's doing things I can't do. He gets everybody organized. And, you know, if there needs to be 20 extras, he's like, all right, everybody, let's go extras. I want you here, you here, you there, who there, you there. He places all the extras. He gets everything surrounding my actors ready to go. So that's the job of the first AD. Okay. Right? My DP, which is the director of photography, he is like my number one go-to cameraman and camera guy. And he's got his little team with him. And they we've already gone over how I want the movie to look. He's in charge of lighting the set, lighting the actors, deciding what, you know, deciding what how the camera's gonna move, making the camera moves. So he runs all the camera stuff. So that's the DP. DP's got his little crew of his camera gang. You know, the, 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 right. the camera gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you got your sound, uh, your sound engineers, and your your, your sound. Uh, my head of sound. Um, there, the, you know, he's got his, him and like maybe one or two other guys. One guy's got a boom mic. You know, you see the boom hanging over the actors, and he's making sure the room is ready for sound. And my sound guy also lobs up everybody with a lavalier mic. If your actors are going to be lobbed up and you mm-hmm. know you don't see the mic, but it's, they got all they all have microphones on. That he runs all the sound. Um, it goes, bro. There's a there's 50 jobs. You know, <laughs> I my wardrobe. You know, you got makeup and hair. So all my yeah. actors they go to hair. They come out on set. My AD says the set's ready. We run a rehearsal. Okay, go get ready. All the actors go to hair and makeup for a while, for like a half hour, hour, and boom, they come back all dressed up, ready to act, and it's game on. And I call action and we go. So, you know, you've got hair and makeup, you've got wardrobe, you've got transportation, you know, you got your head of transportation. You don't move without these guys. You know, your trucking guys, your union guys, you know, these guys make sure you get from a, this set to that set. You don't mess with their stuff. You know what I mean? These are mm-hmm. union they, they, they run your electric, they run your trucks. You got to give them all respect. Um, there's so many, there's so many jobs, bro. I could pull up my, I could pull up my sheet and, you know, show you every job on the movie. I, th- I actually think I have a budget right in front of me. That's cool with that. Um, we'd be here for hours. I feel like. Yeah, for real. Everyone. And by the way, every single job is important everybody's job is super important and I don't treat anybody. Although I will say we shot four days. I yelled at my nephew. <laughs> out of at all. Uh, I was definitely emotionally overwhelmed at moments. And so I had a couple of yelling matches. Uh, I've since put myself back in check. Uh, and, and I, you have to understand that everybody on the team has to just want to make the best movie. And they do usually because it's, it's, it's a team effort, man. Mm-hmm. You I can't do shit without any, but without any of them, they, none of them, you need every single one of them. Yeah. You know? Crap. Yeah. Would have been better with the bacon, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like you said earlier, there's just so many parts and pieces to everything going on with filmmaking. So it, it makes sense. And that's why when you get into it, when you guys dive in, if you, you know, if you go into environmental science or you go into movies, 
you find what your what your love of it is like what you know and maybe it's just talking about movies maybe you don't even want to make movies but for people a lot of people are just like i want to get in the business that's not enough you know what i mean it's not enough to want to be like famous or like just to be in the business there's got to be something you love about it and you want to make it great yeah and sometimes you love telling stories you might just be a storyteller and you want to tell stories and if that's what it is then that's what it is but it's an art form and you better be you know all in right like i tell young dudes who are like i want to be a comedian i'm thinking about being a comedian i'm like skip it bro (laughs) (laughs) skip it and i always say that because if you're really gonna do it it's just such a grind that like i don't want to see anybody that i love go through it you know yeah right Mike, you told me at the bank I could be a writer, so uh, you got an opening? <laughs> hey, man, listen, I'll let you read the script, and if you find some holes in my plot, you feel free to come at me. Because oh, shit. I, I really, well, I really do believe that when you watch that many movies through osmosis, you develop in your brain a rhythm of how movies. Like, you probably don't need to read the book Save the Cat or Screenplay by Sid Field where they say, like, at page 20, you have to have an inciting incident. At page 5, got to uh, mention your theme of the movie. From page 30 to 55, that should be your fun and games moment, where your actors, where your, where your cast is just, they're on the run and they're having fun. Page 75, you should start your darkest hour. That's the darkest hour of the character, where you're going through your darkest moment. It looks like all, all is about to end. And then page 90, boom, they come through and they journey back to home, mm-hmm. right? I can tell you that based on a book I read, but you probably already know that based on watching a hundred movies. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Like you just, that's just how movies are. That's what the story is. So I'm not the greatest writer, bro. I just love writing and I love story. I love telling stories. I grew yeah. up telling stories. I've always been a storyteller. I've always been involved in stories. I always, my dream was simply live strong, like just live out there, meet a ton of people in your life, you know, make friends, listen, pay attention to situations, and then write about those that you've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, some writers, they come from a background of just purely reading. They're just, they're just so voracious, voracious readers and so, so well read. They write from like an imaginary reading world, which is great too. Some writers write from a world where they, they lived a hard life and then they write about it. I'm like a combo. I've lived like a lot of life and then I write about it, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it comes from anywhere, man. To, uh, to backpack off, uh, Ethan's question. Um, what is something, what are some things you liked better about just being a writer? Um, just being a producer or just being a director, like is a director just upright in every way better than being a writer or is, you know, are there some trade-offs? I actually think that I love writing more than any, like I love the, I love sitting down alone and just writing and going into a zone where I'm living in these characters' heads. Because when I look up, it's like two hours later and I didn't even notice that time was gone. Mm -hmm. So I know that I'm doing something that I love when that happens. I actually love that process directing. I love certain aspects of directing. I love working with my actors and like getting the best performances out of them and just watching the whole thing come together. 
Uh, I'm getting better at directing, so I don't, I haven't fallen in love with directing as much as I love writing. And I probably love stand-up as much as I love writing. I love writing comedy as much as I like writing movies. So, you know, I don't have like a, not that I don't have like a favorite, but I do love the writer's life. I love to work out. I get to work out. I drink some coffee. I go and I discipline myself to get to the table and I write, you know, and I get to make my living, you know, knock on wood that way. So I love, I like the solitude of it, man. Mm -hmm. I actually do like the solitude of it. My fiance doesn't love it. I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to have to deal with it. (laughs) I I think that's awesome that you find, like, like you said, the solitude in writing for movies. Um, for me personally, I jumped into movies just because I like how they look. Um, for one, I, I really like Zack Snyder's movies, as you can see by the hoodie. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Zack Snyder guy, and I just think with directors, have they have like a certain certain type of framework or how they shoot. Like J.J. Abrams has the uh, the lens flare type thing. Uh-huh. So I, I just wanted to piggyback off that. For sure. And by the way, you would probably already be a good filmmaker as far as a visual filmmaker. Like if you, if those are your guys and you're already noticing that they've got their own visual styles, I wouldn't even know how to say what Zack Snyder does. Like, I would, I'm serious. I wouldn't even yeah. know how to, like, what colors. I wouldn't even know how to bring that color scheme to life. You know, like, oh, yeah. those guys are geniuses. I'm, I'm just a really funny, good writer, storyteller. <laughs> I'm working on my visual style so people can finally go, oh, now I see what a Mike Young film is. Right. Yeah. Super funny. It's a super interesting story, and it's got a little bit of style. Right on. I look forward to watching that, watching your style develop. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So do I. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what I come up with. Um, another question for you, Mike. Unless you want to ask us some questions. I know this has been heavily one-sided. Yeah. Do you have any questions for yeah, us? No, I just, I, listen, bro. I just love doing this, right? I was on Burke Kreischer's podcast. I was on Bill Burr's podcast. And I just dig that like young dudes are doing podcasts about movies like you're in Detroit, you know, and I'm just like, I just I just like the whole I just dig it. And you'll find that there's like more people like me in the business who are totally down to like come on your podcast, you know, even though you might be thinking like, how am I going to get Zach Galifianakis? Just like, just ask. Yeah. You know, just ask these guys. And um, yeah, no, like my question is for you is once the bank stuff's done and like once your real jobs are done are you guys thinking about going into movies as a thing or are you just like look keep this as a passion and i want to go into environmental science as a as my thing um ethan i'll let you start because i I have no thoughts yet (laughs) um as of right now going into the movie industry is not on the cards for me not on the table unfortunately i wish um i mean I love talking movies. I love watching movies. So I wish that those were in the, in the cards for me. Um, as of right now, I'm actually planning on pursuing a master's degree in chemistry next fall. So I'm hoping to secure that. Are you, what kind of stuff do you want to go into? So, uh, breakthroughs in science or. Um, so I do paleo environmental research right now as an undergrad. And then um, I'm hoping to continue that and then hopefully go into like geology type stuff with my, my degree. Not what? What is paleo environmental? <laughs> paleo is that like apes? 
Is that so, nuts and berries? <laughs> so it's uh, it's uh, looking at old. We so more specifically, we reconstruct old environments based on previous storms that occurred. So, for example, um, Ohio has a few old like hurricanes from the Great Lakes, and we're reconstructing one of those right now by looking at vegetation, geology, sedimentation rates, stuff like that. That's incredible, man. Yeah, it's. It, I didn't even know this was a kind of a field up until last uh, last fall. I think twenty twenty. Yeah, with with my current advisor. So you'll recreate the environment, and then will you make adjustments based on that? Um, like, how does that help for the future? Like, how does looking at the past environment of a hurricane, you know, outside? Was that Ohio? You said. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, there was hurricanes in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I know. I said the same thing. Um, so that's funny you ask, because like the big thing with our research is that it helps like stakeholders, homeowners of the property of the area to like how to better prepare those homeowners and stakeholders in the area for like if if a storm occurs like every hundred years or so, they can be ready for like oh it happened in twenty twenty one, it'll happen again in twenty one twenty one something like that. That's incredible. My brother's in the insurance restoration business. Oh, okay. He deals with environmental stuff every day. Fire, gotcha. Floods, hurricanes. He's been on hurricane crews in Florida many times. So that's a that's a part of the business that's always going to be huge business and super interesting. That's very cool, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been I nothing but a ride. Talking, and I was going to say, and I was going to, uh, I was going to send it to Leo. <laughs> hire these guys. That'd be hey if you want to hook us sick, up with yeah. Leo, that'd be sick. Yeah, for real. I do know him, bro. He's he does love the environment. You never know. Yeah. Hey man, phone's always open to talk to Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, the man himself. Yeah, he yeah. He fought a bear, man. <laughs> I hope he'll take his call. For real. <laughs> <laughs> We're too busy with the podcast. I don't know if we'll have time for Leo. Yeah, for real. <laughs> are you guys doing this podcast once a week and are people checking it out? Like, are your, did you tell your friends about it and just yep. kind of let it grow organically? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're not like, the only promotion we've done is basically on our social media. So, like, our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitters. Um, but, uh, no, yeah. So, we, we started about a month ago. Oh, um, okay. It's new. Yeah, yeah, this is relatively new. We this I is our it, seventh episode. episode. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, we try and record two times a week. Uh, this week we we were both pretty busy, so we got this episode. And I'm mean, plus I'm starstruck with the director on our show, so this is kind of like our mega episode. Right. Um, but the so guest they've ever had. <laughs> yeah, for real, man. <laughs> we'll have Clooney on next week. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, Mike Young. But um. So yeah, we try and record about two episodes a week, one being like a main topic episode. Um, we've got it scheduled out to the rest of the year. So like, you know, when the Bond comes out, we'll talk about Bond. Uh, I don't want to spoil it too much for our listeners because uh, yeah, okay. I think the mystery isn't it's... part of the fun. But yeah, and then... we don't even know sometimes. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys met in college, were you like, yo, I love movies. And you were both like, I love movies. Like we should do a movie. Like were you just a movie fanatic as a kid? Um, well, we met over, yeah, how did we get on the movie podcast? Well, what made you want to do a movie podcast? Did you always like watch movies as a kid and just love movies? Um, yeah, I really got into movies in high school just because, uh, 
I don't know what movie it was exactly. I think it was something... I think it was, honestly, like, The Dark Knight or one of those movies back then that really got me into, you know, just watching movies. It doesn't have to be, like, critiquing them, but just watching them is more of, you know, it's not just a hobby for somebody who has nothing to do. You know, it's everyday people who, like, sit down for these movies. So there's a lot you have to consider. There's people who watch these movies to pick out every detail of filming, writing, directing. And then you have people who go to AMC every Thursday because they have the AMC Stubbs Pass, and they're just looking for a movie in there to be like, all right, what am I going to watch this week, you know? And so with Zack Snyder's Justice League coming out, was that this year or last year? This year, March 18th, 2021. Yeah. Uh, See, he's got that imprinted (laughs) on his eyes. Hey, man, bro, I'll get it tattooed on my forehead (laughs) if I have to, man. Is it on HBO Max? Where is it right now? HBO Max, an HBO Max exclusive, yes. Yeah, I I might watch that as a tribute to you guys tonight. Thank you, appreciate it. You got to set aside some time for it. It's about four, four five hours hours long. Yeah, (laughs) it's a four-hour movie. You can watch it in installations, though. Like, they're they're broken up into parts. There's, like, title cards. It's it's super easy. That's what I did. (laughs) But um, when that came out, we had already talked movies, you know, shows before. Um, We talked, uh, like, Netflix shows like Breaking Bad, you know, anime stuff um, with Demon Slayer. And then Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, and we were like, dude. Because we were talking about it, we had our own opinions on it. We went back and forth on like Snapchat and in person, and we were like, "This, like, we know about these movies, you know." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we were just kind of shitting it one day, and we were like, "We should make a movie podcast." Yeah. And then yeah, yeah it kind of just really just went from like nothing, just like a lag, to you know, it's something in the future. We'll get up to it. We'll get up to it. It'll eventually happen. To we mm-hmm. just steamrolled it in like. <laughs> two weeks and we were up and filming we were on spotify we were on apple podcast google podcast stuff like that so it's you know once once it got started it was like i love it i love it i love being like held to this timeline of if i don't watch this movie it's a hundred percent on me because i'm only i'm not only robbing you know the podcast of an interesting topic but like if i'm talking about a movie on the podcast it's because i'm interested in it to some degree so well, that's that's you, you just figured out the whole game right there it's like when something that's a passionate hobby and then and now you're being held to a timeline for discipline for your listeners that's important like you gotta do dis, discipline's the only path to freedom they say you know so that's mm-hmm. great we're sticking with it and it became just from a passion to a reality i love that stuff i love that shit that's my whole life has been that i started my podcast and i unfortunately I mean, I'm on All Things Comedy, Bill Burr's podcast network, and I lost steam. I lost steam, and it's all on me, and all my listeners were like, yo, where'd you go? And I, I couldn't – I just didn't hold up – like directing and writing got so heavy on me mm-hmm. that I kind of lost my way on my podcast. And I, I promise that I'm not coming back to podcasting until I'm ready to dedicate you know, a 100% chunk of time to it because it's just not fair to do to get people to listen and then you disappear so stick with it man just stick with it yeah disciplined and yeah keep watching your movies that's great yeah it's it's time consuming because you know we're both uh in school we both work ethan was working like two jobs uh he's at an internship um and you know i got the bank job i'm in two classes as well 
and then we got the podcast. We both have girlfriends, you know, you yeah. have your fiance. So it's like fitting everything in. It is, I don't want to say exhausting in a bad way, but it's, it's staying busy. You know, it's, it's not like the nine to five where you have like a two hour commute. Like, you know, you dread when you're a kid, but you're staying busy in a different way. And I honestly, like the past month since we started this, I love it. I, I'm ba- oh, yeah. I feel like I'm balancing everything perfectly. Um, we're not skipping out on anything. I'm not rushing it to where I'm just sitting there in bed. Like I'm watching this movie because I have to, you know, no, I'm not I mean, forcing myself yeah. to watch it. It's like, I want to watch this because I want to talk about it. Awesome. So. Yeah. It, it, after starting this podcast, it's really reinvigorated my, my drive and love for movies. I mean, I've never lost my love for movies, but it's, it's tweaking the way I look at movies now too. And, this whole thing has also shown me like there's not enough time in the day for me anymore, man. <laughs> I feel that, bro. I could be working all day, every day. Yeah. You know, like make sure you live your life too, because your life will feed your work and your art. So mm-hmm. don't ignore your girlfriends. Oh, I don't. <laughs> oh, she doesn't yeah. let me. Yeah, I try not to. I do my best. Yeah, we're all trying our best, bro. My girl texted me three times while I was talking to you. <laughs> And I told her I was going on a podcast. I'm like, there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, right all right, just a couple uh, quick little tidbits at the end here. Uh, Mike, what was your first movie you remember that really got you into, like, you know, that really made you believe, I want to do this and I'm going to do this? Rocky. Rocky? Really? Rocky was the movie, well, E.T., Rocky, but Rocky was the movie that like let me know like I'm an underdog in the world. I, I feel like an underdog in the world, and it was one of the first movies that I got an emotional, guttural reaction from. Like I just an emotional like I was raising my hands over that movie, you know. Even though Rocky lost the first one, mm-hmm. I was I was ready to fight in the streets after Rocky, you know. It's funny because I'm always more about like the real stories i was never a huge star wars geek you mm-hmm. know i was like rocky the godfather you know goodfellas you know uh streets of fire i i liked grounded movies and that were kind of grounded in reality and real stories you know and i loved underdog tales but i would say rocky got me emotionally hooked and made me want to write and direct and like make something Okay. It's a yeah, good choice. It's definitely yeah. a good choice. Funny, because I'll tell you a quick story. I, I did take a film class. Like, oh no, I'm sorry. It was a, was it a film? I think it was a, no, it was a, yeah, it was a film class at the University of Arizona where I went to school and I was surrounded by all these film nerds. And they were like, and the teacher's like, you know, go around the table. What's your favorite movie? Everybody was like, The Bicycle Thief, The Apartment. You know, they were dropping all these highfalutin movies. Right. They got to me, and I was like, Rocky won. <laughs> and, and, and my whole class laughed at me. They just laughed at me. And I was like, I was like, what the fuck, bro? Like, laughing at Rocky? Like, one of the greats. And, you know, a lot of people didn't feel that way, but I felt that way. I love Rocky. Yeah. Yeah, right now. I mean, that's that's how I feel with some of the for my controversial takes for a lot of movies. I, I I know what you mean by people looking at you weird and by saying what what got you in in the movie business totally. and stuff. Totally. <laughs> I love Bicycle Thief, but like okay, I get it. It's cool. Yeah, 
He took the bike, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful movie. He yeah, it is. And, and had a great relationship with the kid by the end. Yes. I actually did watch that movie. I took an intro film class as well. And yeah. It, it was something, that's for sure. Great movie. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> For right. real. I haven't seen it, so <laughs> <laughs> it's an old one. It's pretty old, but um, I had a quick question. Um, as you, I'm sure you can tell, I'm a big comic book movie guy. Um, if you had the chance to direct a comic book movie, what kind of hero would you want to do that on? Oh, what kind of hero? What yeah, kind or of... villain, or team up movie, whatever you want to do. Ultimate underdog hero, like whoever. Are you saying like pick pick an actual? hero from the comic or what? yeah i mean you can pick one or you can come up with an original make your whole new thing whatever you want to do yeah Ooh. Mm-hmm. What kind of just a, i would just take an underdog scrappy kid who gets picked on in school you know right i guess i'm basically reciting spider-man <laughs> i was gonna say peter <laughs> parker's coming yeah. to mind but like, the peter parker characters are the ones i fight for gotcha i fight for the underdog you know, and I don't know if that's being from Southfield or what it is. Just I always had just like an underdog spirit because I don't know, man. I never my family wasn't born with money, and I just watched my dad work hard and be a blue collar scrap guy and kind of come up and believe that you could just be anything you want. That I went to Hollywood and just basically did all this like as an underdog. I didn't have any family in the business and didn't know anybody doing anything. So I would just have the ultimate underdog hero, you know, right. mm-hmm. who goes on a, and he just starts whooping bullies ass all over, <laughs> all over the country, all over the world. For real? I mean, there's something about the underdog winning that just, it just clicks. I mean, it clicks with everybody. It's great to watch because everybody's been there before at some point. Yeah. It's a universal truth. Yes. Which is what you want. You know, we finally we've talked a lot about beating up kids on this podcast. Now, finally, with our director, yeah. we get to visualize that in Mike Young's superhero movie. <laughs> You're welcome, bro. Hey, if you need a main actor, I will method act to completion, man. If you need me to actually hit the kids, I got you. <laughs> Jeez, man, <laughs> that's great. <clears throat> Yeah, but this has been fun, fellas. This yeah, been, it's been great. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I, I I really appreciate it. Yeah, isn't that funny how it all comes full circle? I'm yeah. At the bank. You're at the bank. Depositing a check led to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I cannot believe this. This has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, bro. If uh, yeah, any other questions, feel free to ask. But otherwise, yeah, man, this has been a blast. You know, you could tell. I, I really want people to watch. Um, like I'm doing stealing jokes now in my new movie, but tell your guys to watch, you know, go to allthingscomedy.com, which is Bill Burr's uh, company mm-hmm. and they can watch who the F is Mike Young. That's my podcast. Uh, that's my comedy special. Who the F is Mike Young. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Have some laughs. I will. Oh I will. yeah, we will for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, I don't think I have any more questions, Ethan. No, I mean, you've answered everything. It's been like I said, it's been a blast, but nothing but good good time, that's for sure. Nothing but a good time. Cool. Well, maybe we'll do it again. I'll get you down. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. I'll get you down to the set. When we start shooting, you come visit the set, see what's up. Hopefully it's all COVID safe and everyone's good by then. And uh, we'll get back to normal. I'm definitely down. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd be down. Your podcast, bro. And I'm so I'm ha- I'm excited for you guys. You guys have a good thing going. Don't stop. Stay consistent and disciplined, and watch your movie every week, and and get down with this because movies are important, bro. Escapism is important, mm-hmm. and giving people entertainment because they need it. This world needs entertainment. It's never going to go anywhere. So keep doing your thing. Cool. Um, right on. To our viewers, thank you for listening. This episode has been a little bit longer, but, you know, very warranted. Yes. Um, And, yeah, thanks for checking checking us out, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. We should be back next Wednesday. So thanks for watching, guys, and I hope you have a great night. Take it easy. Peace, fellas.